Welcome to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. We exist to be a life-giving church in our community that helps people know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and go make a difference. Here you will find weekly sermons and teachings from our Sunday services. Let's dive into this week's message. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10, and it's a very familiar verse, and it's where we get this thing called the armor of God. Now, before I get there, a lot of people, if you've ever been at church or ever at a VBS, you've had somebody show up that dressed up like a soldier, and they started telling you, that's not what we're doing today. I'm letting you know something that God kind of jumped up, because, because we talk about it so much, we almost blow it off, and I think we miss something. And so will you do me a favor and join with me as we in God's word as we read? The first thing is there's one word right at the very beginning that we got to address. In verse 10, it says, finally, finally. Now, you say, Mickey, you didn't get very far. No, I didn't. I got to one word. And I want you to know that, that this, is a, this is a book, this is an epistle that Paul's writing to the Ephesians, which would be the church of Ephesus. And, and I don't know about you, but when I'm talking to my kids, there's certain times where I'll be like, all right, now listen. Like, I'll talk to them about a lot of different stuff, and, and they, you know, I, I don't know about your kids. My kids are amazing, but they also get that glazed donut look, which is a sign for, like, like just, just, like, is there a better punishment than just you talking to me? Like, I will take that one. And I'm like, okay, I, okay listen to me. Finally. Like, l- don't miss this. That's what he's saying. He's went through this whole book that he's wrote to this church at Ephesus. Now, a little side note, the, the church of Ephesus also shows up in Revelation as one of the seven churches, and that's the church that lost its first love. And I think that we get insight of how they lost it here in just a minute. So, so I'm gonna come back to that. But what Paul is telling them is he's saying, listen, hey, finally, listen to me. If you haven't heard anything that I've said yet, don't miss this. And then listen to what he tells him. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So he's identifying to them where the strength lies. He's been talking to them about all these different things and, and different concepts that'll help them to stand firm and to be able to do what God's called them to do as a church. But he's saying, listen to where the strength lies. That seems so simple, but it's actually the biggest part of everything. I think a lot of times, and I don't want to get ahead in the message, but I think a lot of times, just to be flat out honest, you think you've got a job that God never gave you that job. And you think that your relationship with Christ and discipleship is about you learning God's word because you got to be strong so that you can do something. And God's going, I don't need you to be strong. I just need me and my strength to be strong in you. Like, you're not the source of the strength. I just need you to make sure that you know where the strength comes from. And I think in our American culture, we think of strength as being able to be prepared and to be ready and because we got to like go do something. And that's the issue. We believe that we've got to get strong because we feel there's something we have to go do. But what if I told you that what you think you have to do may not be what God's calling you to do? When it comes to spiritual warfare, what if I told you that it's not your job to fight? What if I told you it's not your job to battle? You say, well, 
but you said spiritual warfare. And we think about a war and there's a winner and there's a loser. And I'm gonna, you know, like talking about an armor of God, right? I'm gonna put this on so I can prepare for battle. But what if, what if the battle was not yours to fight? Maybe there was something else God was calling you to do. And so maybe he was wanting you to know where his strength is and who he is as the strength of all so that that strength will be in you so that you can do what he's called you to do. And what if it was bigger than fighting? In fact, I'm gonna show it to you. You ready? He says, finally, be strong to the, in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God and then listen to these words. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. That one little part, I was like, I had to read it again. See, I thought I put on the armor of God so that I could go to war. But what he's saying is, listen, he said, I want you to put on the armor of God so that you will, listen, here, here's your word. You'll stand. He didn't say so you'll battle. He didn't say so you would fight. He didn't say so you would confront. He literally uses one word and it defines spiritual warfare. He wants you to stand. He says, I love the way it reads. He says, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, one of the things we need to understand is that like that adversary, that, that joker, that serpent, he, he, is, he is a scheming, deceptive liar. And he has so many schemes in this world that's a part of this spiritual warfare. And his goal is not that he's trying to get you to win the battle, or to lose a battle. He's just wanting you to get, get deceived and get lost in the battle that you don't do what God's called you to do. In fact, let me put it to you a different way. The devil has been identified in John 10, 10 as only doing three things. Now, don't mishear me. I'm not one of these guys, you know, the old phrase, the devil made me do it. The devil is not God. The devil can only be at one place at one time. I think we give the devil way too much credit. But I do believe in this spiritual realm and that there's demons and that there's angels and there's, like if we could have spiritual goggles, we'd probably be shocked about what was going on in this world. But the, the war that is raging, that's called spiritual warfare, that's over your soul, that is over the, the souls of this world, that is trying to destroy God's purposes and his desires for you, that war is a bunch of his schemes. And they boil down to three things. He says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You need to know when it comes to spiritual warfare, there's only three things the adversary wants to do. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. You say, Mickey, what does he want to steal? Your hope your purpose. And if you think about steal, stealing is, is taking something that doesn't belong to you. Do you know what doesn't belong to Satan? Eternal things. God's word and people. 
And because they don't belong to him, his only response is, well, I'm gonna steal them. I'm gonna take them and act like they're mine. The second thing is he says, I wanna kill. Wait, he wants to suck the life out of you. Our purpose at Crossroads is to be a life-giving church. Here recently, I have made this statement because of tragedies that are in our world. And I say, please realize this. God is not the author of death. He's the giver of life. The author of death was Satan in a garden through sin. And the wages of sin was death. God did not create death. God created everything perfect. Sin which was a direct deception of the serpent is where death entered this world. Why? Because Satan wants to kill and then destroy. In fact, here's what I wrote down in my my Bible. It's like his schemes are very simple. They're three things. Still kill and destroy is what he wants to do, and he wants to do that through lies, deceptions, and delusions. He wants to do that through lies, deceptions, and delusions. And what this scripture is talking about is it's saying, you know what? I want you to put on the full armor of God. I want you to to realize that I'm your strength because I want you to be able to stand against these schemes. And then listen to to what he says. And and to go a little bit further with with the devil's schemes, here's a couple of lies, and you're gonna get them from the next scripture. Are you ready? The next scripture, verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Lie number one, first scheme. It's the issue that made Ephesus lose their first love. Your battle is not against people. You know what what Satan's first scheme is? is to make you think that the circumstances in your life and the people in your life, that that's who you're battling. Well, you know, these people are mean or these people have done something wrong or these people have done something to me. And, and all this stuff is happening. Like, like this guy has, has, has made a choice and this choice has affected my life. My, my parents did this or my parents didn't stay together or my ex-wife has done this or, or my son or daughter has done this or my friend has done this or my employee has done this or my employer has done this. And we have all these people and we start associating people's decisions as spiritual warfare. Like we gotta protect ourselves. We need to, we need to kind of you know, create a bubble and we're gonna live in that bubble. And I'm gonna stay away from these people because their influence is bad and they're going they to just, they're going to get me. And that's not what this word's talking about. The first scheme of the, of the devil is for him to go, you know what? You wrestling against flesh and blood. Your biggest struggle in your life is, is just flesh and blood. It's just, it's just your will and what you want and the things that you desire and the people that are in your life. And scripture saying, listen, you wrestle not against flesh and blood. And so the first scheme that the devil has, and here's the way I wrote it, is the first scheme is that your struggle is against people or circumstances around you, but the truth is you wrestle against the enemy or you struggle with an enemy that all he's wanting to do is to steal, kill, and destroy. You say, well, Mickey, how do I battle that? Well, 
maybe you first realize it ain't your battle. Because if I'm not wrestling against people, then guess what I don't have to battle? People. And if I'm not wrestling and struggling with circumstances, then guess what I don't have to battle? My circumstances. You say, well, then what am I supposed to do? I'm gonna get there. But that's the first scheme and lie, and I just wanna give you a truth. Talking about spiritual warfare. The second is in the following verse. The second, he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. See, the, the second lie that I wrote down in the second scheme is that you have to battle and fight to win the stuff that's in your life. Like, like we almost have this concept when it comes to spiritual warfare that God has all of these blessings. In order for me to obtain these blessings, then, then I've got to fight and battle the devil so that I can get to the blessings. And, and as I'm walking towards the blessings that God wants, whenever I make a decision that's not of the Lord or I mess up, then it's like God saying, mm -mm, you're not ready, so you slide back here. And now I gotta start all over again. And I'm like, oh my goodness, but I want this stuff so bad. And I wanna try to get there. And I'm, I'm wrestling and I'm struggling with people and circumstances and I'm fighting the good fight. And I wanna win the prize. And that's not what that's referring to. In that scripture, it's not talking about like, ooh, what it's talking about is actually a submission. And what he's saying is, listen, you're fighting a battle. Here's the key, listen to me. It's already been won. Like, you know what you can't win? You can never win a battle that's over. Like, you fighting something. Like, I mean, think about that. And as long as you find yourself fighting battles that have already been won, you know what you're not doing? You're not living in victory. See, one of the big issues with spiritual warfare is people that are victorious live like they're defeated. Can I say that again? One of the big issues in spiritual warfare is that people that are victorious live like they're defeated. Can I describe that in a different way? You're living like you've been killed or somebody's stealing or somebody's destroying something. Look at me. Spiritual warfare is a major, major concept in God's word. But spiritual warfare is not about being good enough, being strong enough, or being ready for battle. God's not calling any of you to grab stones and a slingshot. Like the giant's already done, he's already won through the cross. Now all he wants you to do is he said, but I, I do want you to do something. He said, I don't want you to battle. The word he used here again is he said, I want you to withstand the evil days and having done all, I want you to stand firm. I want you to, I want you to stand firm. I want you to be immovable. So when things are happening, you can resist. In fact, I love what James says, right? James says, resist the devil and he will flee. It's James chapter four, verse seven. 
If you will resist the devil, he will flee. Why? Because the battle's already done. But for some people, we're so caught up in trying to win a battle that you're forfeiting, you're forfeiting your victories in your days. Like, I wanna be real careful with this because I know that this can be very touchy for some people. But some of you are still trying to, to win something that's long over that happened in your life a month, a year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, during childhood. And you're, you're trying to win something that's long over. In fact, one of the moments in my life that I realized this to be a reality is when I went back to try to reconcile a situation with somebody and I went back to reconcile a situation with somebody to bring it up to them for them to look at me and say, I don't know what you're talking about. And I was like, don't know what that is, really mad. Like, well, you don't know what I'm talking about. Like, I've been dealing with this for years. Like, I've been struggling. Like, like there's not a day that goes by that I don't like, I got my little, like, I just want to you know, pinch your head off. I'm just like, you don't understand. And they're like, what are you talking about? What am I talking about? I'm talking about the thing that I've been battling for the last five years that I've been like struggling and, and like this is all I've been thinking about and consumed with. And they're like, oh, I'm so sorry. Sorry? Five years of my life and now we're in kindergarten and you're just gonna say we're sorry, like that makes everything okay? And then they say this and it's great. They say, well, I didn't know. And you're like, okay, I'm, now I'm, I really wasn't that upset. I was ready to come and move forward with forgiveness. And, you know, but, but, but I hate you. I don't like you. I'm not talking to you. I'm going back. I'm never talking to you again. If you're on the side of the road, hopefully somebody drives by that cares because I'm not stopping. <laughs> and you know the only person that's losing is the person fighting. Because he's fighting something that's already done. I believe that's what Scripture's saying right here when he says, therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Listen to me very carefully because I'm fixing to pick up the pace. But I want you to know if you don't hear anything else, this is my finally. Stop fighting and start standing. I will chase a real quick rabbit and try not to get myself in trouble. But some of the issues in America is because rather than standing up for what's right, you're fighting what's wrong. Like, I ain't, I ain't got to battle ignorance. Truth fights for itself. I don't have to fight. I just got to stand up. That's what it's talking about. Just stand up. Let your life represent what's right. And when it becomes contagious, all of a sudden people start modeling that. And then there, let's keep going. Verse 14. And he says, stand therefore. So the, the armor of God is what he gives us so that we can stand. He doesn't give it to us so we can fight. He gives it to us so we can stand. And listen to what it says. Stand, therefore, 
having fastened on the belt of truth. Now, I'm gonna go through this very quickly, but I wanna kind of give you an understanding. The belt is something, like when I think about my belt, you know what my belt's for? My belt's to keep me from being embarrassed. You know what truth's for? Truth is to save you from embarrassment. But this belt that is talking about in biblical times, if, if, if somebody was getting ready to run or to flee, they would, they would pick up their, their robes and they would tuck them into their belt so that they could move. See, what it's talking about with the belt of truth is, is you got to have the ability to be able to flee. It's not about getting ready so you could run into battle. It's about getting ready as Joseph, what? He, he fled Potiphar's wife. It's knowing the truth so you know when to stand and when you need to move and get out of there. Yeah, that's so against our nature in the South, isn't it? We're like, by God, you come to my house and you're going to get everything I got. You know what I'm saying? It's like, no, you're not. Like I tell my kids, like, yes, we've got plenty of things to protect our house. But if you hear something, your first option is get out and leave. All of that stuff is stuff and can be replaced. You cannot. I don't need you to be like, you know, I'm David Crockett making the last stand. No, I don't need you to do that. But that's kind of our mentality, isn't it? I'm going to put on this belt of truth. Why? So I can fight these jokers. And we got to make sure everybody knows we're right. And we're screaming so loud that people are like, dude, I've quit listening to you a long time ago. But I'm right. Yeah, but <laughs> you're also annoying. A pain in my backside. Judgmental. And you're like, I'm not judgmental. I'm just telling you the truth. I know, but you're screaming at me so loud that I can't hear the truth because you just. See, the belt of truth is to save you from embarrassment so that your life will represent the right things rather than you doing the wrong things. The second thing, he talks about this breastplate of righteousness. You say, well, what's that for? Well, the breastplate was only for one purpose, right? To protect the heart. And what he's saying is, you know what? If you want to stand you better make sure you got righteousness in your heart. What is righteousness? It's the desire to do the right thing. So whenever you allow your heart to chase after the wrong thing, you better be careful because you're gonna find yourself struggling. I have told many men and women that they don't have a sin issue, they have a heart issue. They don't have a faith issue, they have a heart issue. It's like, you know, your, your issue that you're struggling with is, is you got a heart condition. You love what you shouldn't love and you have passion for what you shouldn't have passion and you don't pursue righteousness. You pursue unrighteousness. And rather than allowing God to make you right, you do everything you need to do to make yourself wrong. You say, well, Mickey, I'm not perfect. Nobody asked you to be perfect. I, I just say, you gotta, if you're gonna stand, you better protect your heart first with righteousness. The next thing it talks about in God's word, very, very simple, is it talks about this righteousness and it says, and shoes on your feet. Some translations will say sandals. 
having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. What it's talking about is is the aspect of, of putting on your feet peace so that where you are going, you're bringing peace with you. If you're going to stand firm, you don't go walking up, you know, guns a-blazing. This ain't the wild, wild west. You know, we don't come running, hey, I love you guys. I don't want to, they're like, whoa, wasn't it? It's like, show up with the gospel of peace. In other words, I love the scripture. It says, how beautiful are the feet that carry the good news to the people. You know what a lot of people need? Talking about spiritual warfare, they need people that bring peace to the war, not create war. They need people that bring a resolution to the warfare, not people that, I I call it gasoline. You ever met somebody that, boy, they can take a spark and they can blow that thing up, can't they? And they do it all under the name of Jesus. Well, God's word said, kaboom. And you're like, man, thanks for your help. You can leave now. Because we went from like a little bit of a a spark and trying to figure out what God was doing to now we got like a five alarm fire going on. And my question that I would challenge all of us with is are are we a people that brings peace into the war through the gospel? Or are we somebody that's inciting and bringing gasoline? After this, he, he has just a few more. The next thing he talks about is this shield of faith. And, and I love the way he puts this because it actually gives you a description. He says, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And what he's talking about is that, that your faith in Christ is gonna be what's gonna be your shield, what you're gonna be able to kind of hide behind so that the, the attacks that are coming towards you will, will extinguish those arrows or those darts. See, faith is a security blanket. Like when we talk about, you know, having enough faith as much as it seeds so you can look at the mountain and tell it to move, it's so that you can go do all the things that God wants you to do. Not so that you can tell everybody all the things that they need to do. And then he talks about the aspect of, of a helmet of salvation. I, I love this concept because, again, we're, we're talking about the ability to stand. And he says, and put on this helmet of salvation. And, and I think it's like the two areas that you can kill a man the quickest is his heart and his head. And with the heart, he says, you know what? You, you, better, you better protect yourself with righteousness. Be careful what you allow yourself to fall in love with. But with your head, he talks about this aspect of salvation. See, we look at Jesus Christ as as our savior because he saves us from hell and allows us to have heaven. But what the scripture is talking about when it comes to spiritual warfare, your relationship with Christ is actually more than salvation. It's actually gonna change your mindset. It's gonna change the way you think about stuff. All of a sudden, because of my relationship with Christ and me understanding that I'm wrestling not against flesh and blood, but about principalities and, and other forces in spiritual warfare, all of a sudden I start seeing things the way God sees them. No, these people aren't out to get me. It's just that there's an adversary that wants to steal, kill, and destroy. 
So I need to start thinking correctly. Scripture says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. Who did not consider being equal with God something to grasp, but took the form of a servant, even being born in a major and going to death on a cross. I mean, the the mindset changes, right? Salvation needs to be a renewing of the mind where all of a sudden we start thinking the way God thinks and we enter spiritual warfare. And then there's this last part. He says, and take up the sword. The very last thing. He says, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit with which is the word of God. See, the last thing I want us to hit is he does this whole thing because he's wanting you to be able to stand. You say, well, Mickey, this sounds great, but what do I do when I'm actually in a fight? Like I gotta have some sort of an offensive weapon. Like I know a lot of people that have some sort of a, of a carrying gun and their whole purpose is this. I'm not ever gonna do anything, but if something was to happen, I want to be able to have something that I can have an offensive weapon to detour the attack or what's going on. And do you notice that everything that I listed on the armor of God was the ability to be able to stand and none of it was an offensive weapon. But then he says, listen, but you take up the sword, offensive weapon. And he says, and the sword is the word of God. And I believe that what Paul was referring back to is Jesus in the desert when he was coming under attacks that we call the temptations of Christ. And when, when the devil was, was trying to get him to, to jump off the temple, when the devil was trying to, to get him to, to turn the rock into bread, when the devil was trying to tempt him in these different things, what Jesus did was he didn't go, get out of here, boy, you ain't gonna do that to me. No, he started quoting God's word. Like, I want you to think about this. <laughs> do you know that your mouth will get you out of more fights than your hands will? Did you know your mouth will get you into more fights than you know your hand will? Like the mouth is a powerful thing. And he talks about having the sword of the spirit. And this offensive weapon is not like, woohoo, I'm gonna sever your head off with this sword. It's like, no, I'm, I'm gonna speak the truth as I stand. And that's enough. You say, Mickey, why is that enough? Well, can I go back to the very beginning? Because the battle's already over. I believe a lot of the spiritual warfare and attacks that we have in our life is not because of something God's wanting you to do. It's because of something that Satan's wanting you not to do. And the more that you stand firm and the more you resist the devil, the more those spiritual, like it, it just starts changing. Because the attacks, they're like, we can't do anything with this one. No matter what we do, this one stands firm in the faith. They protect their heart with righteousness. They put on the helmet of salvation and I can't change their thinking. They go with peace. And despite people that, that have wronged them, they still come with, with grace and peace and love and tell them about Jesus. Like this one, let's quit wasting our time because he's immovable. 
Thank you for listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe so you don't miss out. Also, if you want to help support reaching more people with these life-giving messages, visit crossroadscommunitychurch.com slash give. Once again, thanks for listening.